Let's open our Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 15. Today we're going to look at, uh, at verses 1 through 20. So let's go ahead and, uh, and just read our text. Then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus, saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. He answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and mother, and he who curses his father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever profit might you have received from me is a gift to God. Then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouths, and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. When he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear and understand. Not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth thus defiles a man. Then his disciples came and said to him, Do you know the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind, leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. Then Peter answered and said to him, Explain this parable to us. So Jesus said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Lord, we come to you this morning, and uh, we just ask that uh, during our time here that you would open your word to us and that you would speak to each of our hearts. Lord, I pray that none of us would, would go from here with your word having fell on deaf ears. pray that you would penetrate each of our hearts this morning and that you would speak something into each and every one of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. A few things that we're going to look at today is... Uh, that Jesus questions a few things in this situation. He questions, first thing that he questions is, is our traditions. And uh, so we see here that the Pharisees are questioning Jesus about why his disciples didn't wash their hands before they eat. And, and it's a little more than just going into the restroom and rubbing some soap on your hands and coming out to the dinner table. Um, there was a ceremonial process of washing hands that was fairly involved and you had to, to go as far as holding your hands a certain way and, and rubbing your hands together in a certain way. And if any of the water from your hands dripped onto other parts of your body, then your whole body was considered unclean. And, and if you didn't wash your hands and you ate food, then that food was considered unclean. And, and so, so we see that they're just kind of getting hung up on really what was a tradition um, and more of a formality than it was something that, that God had commanded them to do. And so the Pharisees challenge Jesus about this, and they say, why didn't your disciples wash their hands before they eat? And, and then we see Jesus immediately fires back to them and, and challenges them on, on some of their tradition. Um, but the thing that I got to, was thinking about as I was going through this is what, what kind of traditions do we have? You know, at this time, the, the washing of the hands was a tradition, and it's not, not really something that we do today. But what kind of traditions do we have today that, that sometimes we can get 
hung up on. And, and so some of the things that I thought about is with, with our traditions regarding church, that, you know, maybe certain songs that we sing are a tradition. Maybe the order in which we do a church service we hold traditional. Maybe the act of communion we hold traditional. Maybe the way that we dress when we come to church, maybe those are things that are traditional to us. And if somebody were to ask us, well, why do you dress the way you do to come to church? We might not be able to answer except that, well, this is the way that I've always done it. Or why do you sing those songs? Well, these are the songs that we always sing. Or why do we do communion on the first Wednesday of every month? Well, it's just something that we do in church. And, and maybe we get to this point where we, we do these things and we do these activities and as time goes on, and, and especially for some of us that have, have, you know, been Christians a long time, we forget the meaning behind the things that we do, and, and they become, you know, empty traditions. And maybe for some of us, just communion, for example, maybe, maybe that's just an empty tradition where, you know, we think, okay, this is church and we take communion, but when we do it, we're not really thinking about what it really means and what's really behind communion. We're just, it's just church and it's just what we do. We take communion. And, and so we do it, and we, we go through the motions, and we do the act, but there's no meaning behind it, and there's nothing uh, in our hearts that really gives it any meaning to, to what we do. Um, maybe on a personal level, we think about, you know, maybe you're talking to someone, and someone says, oh, hey, I went to see this movie, and you think, oh, I can't believe that you saw that movie, or I can't believe that you watched that show on TV, or maybe, like if some of you look at Ryan's iPod, it's like, can't believe Ryan has that on his iPod, <laughs> and uh, I, I can't believe somebody would would wear that to church or you know whatever. Maybe maybe it's a diet. Maybe maybe somebody gets hung up. Maybe we get hung up on. Can't believe that person's a vegan or a vegetarian or or whatever. And these are just personal traditions that we have that that we do for the sake of doing, but really, where is the meaning behind them? And and one of the things that uh, just as I was preparing for this and studying myself that. That the Lord hit me with is how how many things in my life, you know, just personally or or just regarding church corporately, uh, do I do just simply by going through the motions without really putting my heart into it and not realizing the the meaning behind it? I mean, you know, I'm up here every week and you know playing the bass and and you know there's probably some weeks where I'm just kind of going through the motions and maybe other weeks where you know there's you know the Lord is is touching me during worship and speaking to me, but you know, how, how is it for you guys? You, know, you come here every week. Do, do we sing the same songs over and over again? And, and do we just sing the songs? Or do we really look at the words of the songs and do they have any meaning behind us? And, and I think if Jesus were here today, he might ask us that. Why do you sing these same songs over again? Why do you come to church every Sunday? Why do you come to church every Wednesday? And, and you sit and, and we listen uh, to whoever's teaching and does it go in one ear and does it go out the other? Or do we walk away from here thinking, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? How are you going to cause my life to change as a result of, of what was taught today? And, and so for, just for me personally, some of my quote-unquote traditions have, have been challenged um, in the last couple of days thinking about this. Um, and so, so we immediately see Jesus, after they question him on these traditions, that he fires back and says, okay, you're supposed to honor your, your mother and your father. But what the practice was at the time, I was reading a commentary last night, and, and, and what the practice was at that time was that what they would do is they would say, okay, 
whatever financial support that I was going to give to my parents, I'm going to give it as a gift to God. And so now I don't have to support my parents because I gave my resources to the Lord. And in reality, it was just a way to get out of doing what God had really commanded us to do. And, and the thing that I got to thinking about when I read that is how, how many times do I do that? How many times do I take my time or my resources or my efforts or whatever and I put them over here when I really know that the Lord wants them in other areas? And, and I think we tend to fool ourselves sometimes because we think that we're doing a great thing and we think that we're living for God and we think that we're, we're doing God's will for our lives. But in reality, we're just doing what we want to do and kind of twisting it to, to make it seem like we're doing what God wants us to do. Because, hey, this thing over here is a really good thing. This is really going to help out a lot of people if I do this. Or if I give money to this, this is really going to help a lot of people. But in our hearts, we really know that, that the Lord wants us in a totally different area doing something else. And I think if we're real honest with ourselves, a lot of times we, we know that. If we really are honest, we know um, oftentimes that we're just really trying to talk ourselves out of doing what we know that the Lord wants us to do. And, and I like the way that Tony put it, that, that our, our passion would override our fear. And, and I think sometimes that we get fearful of maybe an area that God is calling us to step into because maybe we don't think we have the time or the resources or maybe it's something that we just don't want to do for whatever reason. But in our hearts and in our minds, we know that we know that we know that that's the thing that, that God wants us to do. And, and so we make up these other things to, to get out of what God really wants us to do. And, and again, that's something that, that I was just really struck with in, in studying this. And, um, you know, I was just, you know, just thinking about all this, you know, we, 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 try, to, we try to uphold, you know, our quote-unquote traditions. And, and really what it does is it makes us come off as ultra-righteous. And I'm sure you guys know the type of people that they come off more righteous than anybody else because, hey, this is, this is what I do for the Lord. I, I do all these things for the Lord. And the thing that I don't think that we always remember is that it's not about what we do that gets us to heaven. It's not about what we do that makes us righteous. It's not about what we do that makes Jesus love us any more than he already does. The things that we do, yeah, maybe they'll make us look good in front of people. You know, maybe sometimes we want people to see the things that we do so they might say, oh man, I can't believe, you know, what you do for the Lord. But does it really, in the grand scheme of things, accolades from, from other people really are meaningless because we can't take that to heaven with us? Our, our lifestyle, the lifestyle that we choose to use, uh, that we choose to live, upholding some of our traditions sometimes can become, I think, an empty faith. We, we feel good because we show up here once or twice a week and, and uh, maybe we go to some extra things here and there and, and drop a check in the box once a month and we say that we have faith because, hey man, I'm taking a lot of time out of my schedule. I could be out on the lake right now. I could be out camping right now, but I came to church and I took some of my hard-earned money that, that, I, that I work 40 hours a week for, and, and I wrote a check out to the church, and, and I put my 10% in the box, or, or, or maybe you're ambitious and put 20% in the box, I don't know, but whatever it is that we do, and, and, and we call that faith, and we call that Christianity because we do these things. And for me, I don't know about for you guys, but for me, I, I think I just need that reminder every now and then that it's not about what I do. 
It's not about just showing up. It's about the condition of our hearts and doing the things that the Lord calls us to do, not the things that we think are good, not the things that we think are righteous, or not the things that we think other people will think are good. And, and the, the thing that, um, that I hope that we would be challenged with this morning is just to simply ask the Lord, what have you called me to do, Lord? Where do you want me to be? Where do you want me to go? Rather than, I mean, life is busy for all of us. I know a lot of people are busy right now. I'm busy right now. And it's easy to, to not take time out of our, our busy schedules and just stop and listen and wait on the Lord and seek him. You know, we, we get busy and we, and we just think, okay, I can do this or I can be involved in this way. And, and uh, maybe, maybe that's not what, what the Lord is calling us to do. And, and so something that, that I want to challenge you guys with today is to, to not pretend that the things that we do and just showing up is, is faith, because it's not. Just, just showing up and, and doing what we do is not necessarily living for God. And, and I want to challenge us with that this morning. You wonder why, why people think Christians are a bunch of hypocrites, and that, that's, I think, part of it. And, and Jesus even calls the Pharisees hypocrites here because they just go through the motions and they have the, these ceremonies of you know, washing hands and, and, and the things that, that we just read. But all they're really doing is, is going through the motions of something that they call faith and going through the motions of something that they call Christianity and, and living for the Lord. And, and it's not really what it is. And, and you wonder why people in the world think that Christians are hypocrites, and that's exactly why, because we just simply get in this point, in this mode, where we go through the motions, and there's no meaning behind it, there's no heart behind it, and I think people can see that, that it's not authentic. And I'm not saying, you know, that, that you know, we aren't authentic, but I think we need reminders. I need reminders every now and then to just stop and slow down and, and just be sensitive to what the Lord would want to say to me and not what I in my own mind have created to be good things that, that I need to do. Um, and I hope that, that we can be challenged with that today. Um, I think as humans, and, and as we see here, that, that we can take our traditions and we can, in a sense, um, elevate them to be equal with God's Word and what God has called us to do. And that, that's exactly what we see here as the Pharisees have taken this ceremony of washing hands and elevated it as if it were a commandment of God. And how many times do we do that in our own lives where we take something that we hold traditional? I mean, for me, I have grown up in the church, and I've been in the church pretty much my whole life. And sometimes I have to stop and ask myself, you know, like I mentioned earlier, why is it that we do this, this particular thing? Or why, you know, why, why do we do communion once a month? And, and I know why, but... You know, you just get in this mode where it's, it's just what we do. And, and we take these things and we elevate them as if they're God's commandment when they're really not. And, and I've really been forced, um, really over the last couple of years, but especially in the last week, um, just to reevaluate some of those things in, in my own life to not forget, you know, the meaning behind things and to really question myself as to whether I'm taking, you know, what I consider to be tradition or things that, that I've always done or things that I've always seen in the church, and, and to really evaluate, okay, is this really God's commandment? Is this really the way that we're supposed to do things? Or is this something that we as humans have created and, and placed it uh, almost equal with what God has commanded us to do? And, and I think that's a dangerous place to be when we begin to create our own standard. 
and when we allow our standard to replace the standard that God outlines in his word. And, and I think it's easy to do. You know, going back to what I was talking about earlier with, you know, say movies and music and, and TV, you know, maybe you have a personal conviction to, to not watch certain kinds of movies or certain things on TV or, or listen to certain kinds of music, but how often do we take those standards and place them on other people in our lives? And, and again, I think that's a real dangerous place to be because maybe that is a standard that, that the Lord has laid on our heart, but maybe it's not a standard that, that he's put on somebody else. And, you know, there's the big things, you know, yeah, murder, we're not supposed to murder, we're not supposed to steal, we, I think we all get that. But, you know, there's all these gray areas, and, and I know Ryan's talked about it before, that all these gray areas where, you know, we create our own standards, whether it's something that, that you know, the Lord has spoke to us or whether we just have chosen to, to live a particular way, but then we force those on other people. And, you know, again, I think that's a real dangerous place to be. Um, you know, I think that uh, worrying about ourselves is probably enough without having to, to worry about everybody else, uh, in a sense, and, and how, they're, how they're living. Um, you know, you guys, we've all heard the, the scripture where it talks about take the log out of our own eye before we remove the splinter from somebody else's eye. And, and I think that, that we just need to be reminded of that, that, um, you know, one, to just evaluate the things that we do and why we do them, and, and then, two, to, to take those things that are maybe personal convictions and not necessarily commandments of the Lord and be careful to not force those on other people because that, that's a way that we alienate people and how we take our, our traditions and things that aren't commandments of the Lord and we, we drive people away and we push people away. And the church in general... Um, not us here, but the church in general as a whole, I think is in a really great job of, of doing that and alienating people and driving people away because of traditions and standards that, that we place on people that, that may walk in our doors that, uh, again, are just more personal convictions than they are commandments of the Lord. And, and, and I think that if we really are, are mindful of that, that as we love people, you know, we're, we're not going to do that. We're not going to, if we truly have, have the heart of Jesus, the heart that Jesus would have for people that walk in our doors, to love those people, we're not going to place those false expectations on people or those, those false standards. And, and I think that that's when people begin to see that, that they've come to a place where they can be loved and where they can just be themselves and be who God has called them to be. But when we try to push those standards on people that aren't God's commandments, it, it drives people away. And I think that we need to be mindful of that because, you know, there's a whole world of people just, just in Prineville, just gobs of people that outside of these walls that need Jesus in their life. And, you know, the Bible says that the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. And so just the thought of, of you know, trying to, to, to make Jesus make sense to somebody that doesn't know that's hard enough without us getting in the way and, and screwing it up by placing traditions and standards on them that we need not to. It's hard enough for people to come to a knowledge of Jesus without us getting in the way and making it that much more difficult uh, for people to do. And, and so um, hopefully we can be challenged with that today to, to just simply love on people um, and, and not push our standards and our own things that we've set, uh, our own expectations on people that aren't ready for that. Um, so we see Jesus questioning the traditions, and, and hopefully we, we can question uh, just in our own lives our, our own traditions as to why we do the things that we do and, and understand that. Um, the second thing that we see is, is that Jesus questions the actions 
uh, of the Pharisees. He, he called the multitude together, and, and he talks about that it's not what goes in your mouth that defiles you. And, and, and here he's talking about the food that they were eating. Um, and, and it's not the food that defiles you, but it's what comes out of your mouth that defiles you. And, and then he goes on to talk about the fact that our hearts are evil. Our, we're, all of us are, are dirty, rotten sinners. We sin every day. We fall short every day, multiple times in a day. And, and I think we need to know that about ourselves, that, that you know, to not be ultra-righteous and think that, that you know, we're, we're more perfect than anybody else or we're, we're more holy or more righteous than anybody else. Every one of us is a, is a dirty, rotten sinner, and Jesus points that out here. And he points out the things in our heart that, that you know, murders, adulteries, uh, fornications, the, the list goes on. And, and those are the things that, that come out of us that defile us, not the things necessarily that we take in. And, and he, he calls the Pharisees on it because the Pharisees, and we see this throughout the Gospels, that, that they look at, at the outside and the appearance and the actions and the things that we do. Um, and, and that is what they are basing faith on is the things that we do and, and how, we, how we look. And we see Jesus, Jesus looks at our heart and not at the things that we do or not the way that we look. And one thing that, that hopefully we can be challenged with today is do we, do we act and, and talk and look the same here on Sunday morning than we do Monday morning at work? Or, or do you act differently at work than you do when, when you're around other believers? Do you, do you talk differently when you're around other believers? And, and this is the thing that, that Jesus called the Pharisees on is because they were so wrapped up in the outward appearance of, of how you're living your life, and, and they call that faith. And, and as we've talked about, that what you do and what you say does not mean that you have faith and that you're living a life of faith. It's, it's the content of our heart, and out of our heart is going to come a desire to please God, a desire to serve God, a desire to be involved in, in things that, that affect his kingdom. But when we're doing those things and they're just empty and we're just doing them so maybe we can look good or for the sake of, of, of doing things because, hey, we've always done this or we're supposed to do it, it our faith is empty, and, and I think people pick up on that. I think people recognize that. And so hopefully we can be challenged today to, to not just go through the motions, but that our actions would have meaning behind them, that our words would have meaning behind them, and that they would be coming out of the overflow of our heart and not simply just because it's what we're supposed to do. So the disciples, after Jesus called the, called the Pharisees on this and about their actions, the disciples, they came to Jesus and said, hey, do you realize that you offended those guys? And uh, I remember a, a guy that I greatly respect uh, many years ago. Um, we were talking about just about being a Christian, and, and he looked at me and he said, as, as a Christian, you need to decide who you're going to offend and offend them. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think that means that we necessarily need to set out with the purpose of offending people, but... When, when we live our lives for Christ, it, it's going to be offensive to some people, and that's okay. But we don't have to apologize for that. And, and again, um, you know, hopefully our, our fear in that area, our, our passion will override our fear of offending people or our fear of people rejecting us um, because there's, there's sometimes where it's hard to live out our faith, whether it's at work or, or in front of your family or, or whatever. It's hard to, to live our lives sometimes the way that we know that we ought to because 
We're afraid of how people might react. We're afraid that, that we might offend a family member. We're afraid that, you know, if we offend our friend, that our friend is going to alienate us. Um, and, and I think that we need to stop being afraid of those things because um, we have the Lord on our side. And, and really, in, in the grand scheme of life, that, that's, that's a lot more important than worrying about who we might offend in the process of, of living out our faith. And, and this is the point that Jesus tries to make here. He says that they're just a bunch of blind people leading other blind people. And, and if you have a blind person leading another blind person, they're eventually going to fall into a ditch. And, and that's true. There's a whole world of blind people that, that think that they're heading the right direction. There's a whole world of people that think, if I am just a good person, I'm going to make it to heaven. How many times have you heard people say that all religions lead to God or all religions lead to heaven? All roads lead to the same place. And, and we know here that that's, that that's not true, but there's a whole bunch of people that, that haven't got that. They don't know that. And it's the blind leading the blind. And, and again, you know, we, we can't go around being so concerned all the time at who we might offend simply by living out our faith uh, in Christ. I think that we'll find that, that if, we, if we do, and, and we've talked about before that, that people just want to see something, I think, that, that's authentic. And, and I think if, if people see authenticity in the way that we live our life for the Lord, they're not going to be as offended as if they see something that's not authentic. Um, because, again, that, that's where you know, hypocrisy comes in and, and, and why the world thinks that Christians are a bunch of hypocrites. But if, if we're authentic uh, in our love for Jesus and authentic in our love for people, I think that's going to be a lot less likely to probably to offend people uh, if they know that we're genuine in, in what we do. And, and again, it just goes back to being cognizant and being aware of why we do the things that we do and, and why we say the things that we say. Um, it's, it's funny sometimes, in, you know, you go to church circles, you know, and you go to maybe other churches for events or, you know, some kind of gathering where there's a bunch of believers, and, and it's like sometimes we have our own language. And sometimes I wonder how, you know, that's just another thing that, that alienates people, you know, when we kind of have our own language calling each other, hey, brother, and, you know, hey, let's, we had some good fellowship today. And, you know, th- those Christian words, you know, that, that we throw out and, and, you know, we feel like we have to, you know, you, don't, you probably don't use those words at work. You know, how many of us go to work and say, hey, let's, let's go fellowship at lunch? You know, we, we probably don't say that at work. Yet when we come to church, we can say, hey, let's go out to lunch and fellowship. And, you know, it's just, again, some of those traditions that, that we uphold and without even being aware of, of why we do it. It's like, oh, so we're in church, so now I have to use the word fellowship instead of hanging out, you know. And, and it's, I just find it kind of funny sometimes when, when you get around, you know, large gatherings of believers and you hear those things um, throughout uh, just as people have conversations. Um, you know, so, so I think if we can just be authentic uh, in what we do, that that, that you know, we're, we're going to not as offend as many people. But again, we can't be worried about the fact that we live out our faith in Christ. We can't be worried that that's going to offend people. Because I, I would rather, in the grand scheme of things, uh, offend people than I would to offend God. Yeah, I, I just don't want to do that. And, and hopefully, hopefully you guys um, think the same way. But how, how much time do we spend worrying about 
what people are going to think if we, maybe a coworker, we they're going through something difficult. And, and I mean, I've had this happen where it's like, I really should probably offer to pray for this guy, um, even though I know he's not a Christian. And then, then you get that little battle in your mind that's like, well, maybe he'll think it's weird if I offer to do it. And well, he's not really a believer. And so maybe it won't mean anything to him. And, and you just get this little battle wages in your head. And so then, and then you don't do it. And uh, how, how much time do we spend worrying about what people are going to think uh, in those situations if we're living out our life for the Lord? And how much energy do we waste worrying about that when in reality, you know, God is so much bigger than, than any situation in anybody's life that maybe the fact that we would offer to pray for a coworker that might just be the one thing that would put them over the hump to think, well, maybe there is something to Jesus. Maybe there is something to, to these people that call themselves Christians. Maybe there are some people that, that are authentically living out their life for the Lord. Yet we get so wrapped up in, in how people might react if we maybe offer to pray for them or if we invite them to church or whatever. You know, we, we use things like, like Christmas plays and, and Easter services as an opportunity to, to invite people to church because, well, now we have a reason to come because, you know, my, my kids are going to be in the play, so, so maybe Uncle Bob will want to come and, and see the kids in the play. But, you know, why, why do we have to wait till Christmas, Christmas or Easter to invite Uncle Bob to church? You know, why can't we invite him to church tomorrow? Hey, Bob, why don't you come to church, you know, and, and hang out with our family? Fellowship with us, right? <laughs> you know, why, why do we, why, because we, we think people might be offended by that, but people aren't going to be offended if we say, hey, come to the Christmas play or come to the Easter service because those are the two times a year that a lot of people come to church. And we get so worried about it and so wrapped up uh, in that, that that we think that we need a special event in order to invite people to participate in whatever it is that we're doing. And, and again, that's something that, that I was greatly challenged with is that, you know, we don't need to wait for those, those special events and those special times to come up to, to invite our neighbor or to invite, you know, our uncles or, or aunts or grandparents or brothers and sisters. We don't need to wait for those special events to come up. Uh, we just need to be authentic and, and living out our lives in the way that, that God has called us to do and let him take care of the rest. Um, I think we forget that. We, we think that in our own ability as humans that, that we need to make something make sense to our neighbor or uncle or whatever, you know, I, we constantly think about, well, okay, if I if I share the gospel with this guy, how, how am I going to make it make sense? Well, the fact is it doesn't make sense, and we can't make it make sense. It's not our job to make it make sense. It's our job to go out into the world and preach the good news. It's God's job to make it make sense in their hearts, not ours, and, and, and I think we forget that. Um, and again, we just spend so much time worrying about how people are going to react, and, and I would challenge us today to, to not worry about that. God take care of that. Let's just live our lives the, the way that he's called us to. When an opportunity comes up and, and, and you know that the Lord's put it on your heart to say something, say something. When the opportunity comes up to offer to, to pray for your coworker or your neighbor, do it. Don't worry about how they're going to react or what they're going to say. Just do what God has put on your heart to do and, uh, and not, not be so afraid um, of how, how people are going to take it. The third thing that Jesus questions is, is our heart. Um, and we see in the last few verses where he, he talks about the heart and, and all the evil things that come out of our heart. And, and it's our heart that, that ultimately defiles us, not necessarily, as Jesus said, the things that we eat or the things that we do. It's the, the, what's in our heart that, that makes us defiled. The fact that, that we go to a rated R movie doesn't make us bad Christians. Or the fact that we may have certain types of music on our iPods or MP3 players doesn't make us bad Christians. What defiles us and makes us disobedient to God is when we know that going to that rated R movie is not something that the Lord would want us to do. That's what defiles us. 
when we have a conviction about a particular thing and we don't act on that conviction. We just shove it under the carpet and think, ah, oh, it's, it's really not that big of a deal. That's what, what defiles us. Not, not the action in and of itself, but when we disobey or don't listen to a conviction uh, from the Holy Spirit about a particular action, whether it's going to a movie or, or listening to a certain kind of music or, or maybe you know you need to pray for your neighbor and you don't do it. You know that God's putting it on your heart and you shove it under the rug. Those are the kinds of things that, that defile us and those are the kinds of things that, that turn into sin in our life. Not because of that thing in and of itself, but because we're being disobedient to God. We're being disobedient to what it is that he's placed on our heart. And it's our hearts, and I think we need to understand that, that, that one, that our hearts are evil. And, and two, that that's something that we constantly have to be aware of, that our hearts are evil. We constantly have to battle and, and ask Jesus to change our heart. How many of us have um, maybe just that one thing or those two things in your life that you just seem to always struggle with? You know, it could, could be any number of things, and it's probably different for everybody. But you have those one or two things that you just continually struggle with, and, and we pray to God, God, help me not to struggle with this one thing. Help me in this this area. But but maybe what we really should be praying is, is Jesus, change my heart. Not necessarily focusing on the thing, whatever it is, or that, that area of our life, but maybe we need to ask God to change our heart rather than helping us to deal with that specific thing, whatever it is, because that ultimately cause of our sin is that our hearts are evil. And, and that, again, was something that, that I was just really hit over the head with in, in studying, and, and I hope that you guys are too, that, that I constantly, every day, need to monitor my heart and the intentions of my heart. Um, and my intentions in the things that I do. And, and I need to ask Jesus every day to change my heart. And, and it's, not, you know, it's not a one-time thing where you can say today, Jesus changed my heart, and then we don't ever have to, to worry about that for the rest of our life. Every day, the things in our heart try to lead us astray. Every day, things in our heart cause us to, to, to live in disobedience to God. Every day, our, our hearts cause us to sin. And, and every day, we need to ask Jesus to change our heart and to capture our heart to where you know, that would become the overriding passion in our life is to serve him and not to, to serve ourselves. And, and I don't know about you guys, but I'm really good at, at serving myself. I'm really good at being selfish. I'm really good at, at doing the things that, that I want to do um, without necessarily thinking about the other people in my life or thinking about, well, is this something that, that the Lord would really have me do? I'm really good at that. And, and I think as humans, we're all pretty good at being selfish and, and doing the things that, that we want to do um, and, and fulfilling our own desires um, and our own lusts and, and just fulfilling the things of our heart. And I think that we need to be reminded that daily, daily, we need to, to ask Jesus to change our hearts and to make him the passion of our heart every day, maybe three or four times a day, maybe 12 times a day, probably different for us all. Um, but every day, we need to make Jesus the passion of our heart. And uh, I just, you know, hopefully we can just understand, guys, that, that there's no point to, to living out empty faith or meaningless faith Simply going through the motions doesn't help anybody. Yeah, it might make you feel better and it might make you sleep better at night because you say that, okay, I came to church today and I dropped a check in the box, so, so I'm good. I'm good till next Sunday, and, and maybe you sleep better at night because of that. But in the grand scheme of life and, and in, in the grand scheme of God's kingdom, we're getting nowhere by living out meaningless meaningless lives of faith, just going through the motions. And so today I, I, I hope that, that all of us are, are just really struck with 
with challenging ourselves and asking, why do I do the things that I do? Am I just going through the motions? And and that's something, again, that that we need to ask ourselves periodically. It's not just a one-time thing because life is busy for a lot of people, and it's easy to, to, oh, man, i got to go to church today because, you know, hey, it's Wednesday, and we just we go to church on Wednesday. Wednesday's church night. Sunday morning, that's that's church day. It's funny, my, my kids always ask, is today church day? And, and they ask that probably three or four times a week. Is today church day? No, no, that, that's tomorrow. Okay, and then, then Wednesday gets over, and then Thursday they're like, it's church day today? No, 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 that's, that's not until Sunday. And, 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 you know, and it's funny, but, but we, as people, we, we get like that, and it's like, oh, oh yeah, today's church day. I've got to go to church. And, and again, we, we come and we sit and we listen and, and, and drop some money in the box, and then we go and, and, and wait for the next church day to come around. And, and I don't think that that's the way that the Lord wants us to live because it, that's not doing anybody any favors. Yeah, we can, we can pay the bills and keep the lights on you know, because of the check that you dropped in the box, but it, it's not doing anybody any favors. It's not doing you any favors. It's not doing the Lord any favors when, when that's all that we do. What, what makes a difference is, is when we become passionate about serving Jesus, because then we can do events like the Quest Banquet and, and Sunfest, and, and we can see it impact people in our community. We're, we're not just simply at that point going through the motions and, and doing something that's meaningless and, and empty. You know, We can do things like, like support the Oasis and, and have that ministry and see it impact people in the community because serving Jesus is the overriding passion in our lives. And, and again, that's something that, that I just was, has been greatly challenged with this week, and, and I hope today that you guys are too, is that what, what is the overriding passion in your life? Is, is it serving yourself? And, and, and again, be honest. Ask yourself that and, and be honest with yourself. Is, is your passion serving you, or is your passion serving Jesus and fulfilling what it is that he has for you in your life? And I think for a lot of us, if we're, if we're real honest with ourselves, our, our passion is to serve me, to serve ourselves. And, and I think that the Lord wants us to know that, that uh, that's not the way that he's got things intended for us. So, um, again, just to, we've got to understand every day that, that we've, got to, we've got to ask Jesus to change our hearts. And, and if you take nothing else away from today, then, then take that away, that, that every day ask Jesus to, to be the passion of your heart and to capture your heart. Um, because if we don't do that, then, then there's really no point in the rest of the things that we do. No point in, in you know, coming on church day to church if all we're going to do is just sit here and walk out and, and forget about the things that the Lord spoke to us and not implement those things in our lives. So hopefully that's something that's, that's challenging to you guys. Um, I'm going to call the worship team up, and we'll do a closing song here. But if you guys need prayer for anything, maybe maybe some of you guys are at the point where you just want somebody to, to pray with you to, to make Jesus the passion of your life, uh, there will be some guys available to pray with you guys. If you guys are struggling in any areas in your life, um, just anything, you know, we're, we're here. And, and, and I know that people have struggles. You know, I have struggles. I know you guys do. So, you know, don't be... Again, don't be afraid. Don't be embarrassed about what other people might think if if you're the one that comes forward for prayer.